0: Hello, and welcome to the Blessed Life podcast, where we walk together into the promises of Jesus. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Eric, discipleship pastor here at New Life Lutheran Church. Today, we are continuing our series on discipleship, specifically the habits of a disciple, the things that we do, the habits that we have that help shape us and form us into uh, the likeness of Jesus. Today, we are in part six. We spent the last six weeks talking about discipleship and uh, all the different things that we do with scripture, prayer, worship. And last week we talked about vocation and our purpose in life. And today we are talking about neighboring. Last week we talked about the two directions of life. We talked about the vertical direction, our life with God, and God commands and does all of that work. He brings us into his family. He gives us his Holy Spirit. He leads and guides us We shape that life by hearing his voice in scripture and in prayer and in worship. And then there is the horizontal direction of life, which is how we deal with others. Last week, we talked about vocation, which is part of that horizontal life. Today, we are talking about neighboring, about how to be a neighbor. And this is a little bit distinct from vocation because we're not dealing with all the areas that we have influence or leadership or those types of things, but we're actually dealing with how we deal with individuals, the individuals around us. So being a neighbor and neighboring well is central to the life of Jesus. Again, our neighbors are in all those places that we talked about last week, our family, our church, our work, and our neighborhood. And part of our work is loving them and caring for them well. That's what we talked about last week. This week, I want to specifically discuss uh, an aspect of neighboring that oftentimes gets ignored in the Christian life. Because whether we like it or not, Jesus had a preference for a particular kind of person. Jesus in the Gospels, it is clear, had a preference for people who were outcasts or in the margins of society. We see it again and again in his actions and in his teaching. That how we deal with those who are weak and hurting and poor, those who are foreigners and who are homeless, how we deal with those is an indication of the love that we have. And how we deal with those individuals, with the outcasts, with those who are marginalized and oppressed, how we deal and interact with them indicates how we deal and interact with Jesus himself. Jesus had a preference for those who were in the margins, who were outcasts. Paul tells us in First and 2 Corinthians that God uses the scum of the earth, lowlifes and outcasts to proclaim his gospel. And the reason that God does this, the reason that God chooses to uh, proclaim his gospel and build his kingdom through people who we would not expect, is to frustrate and to show how foolish we are as humans, because we look on the outside, we look at success and we look at all the ways that people are respectable. For us, if you have your finances all in order, if you have if you own your home and you own property and you're building your little empire, if you are accruing wealth and you can give lots of money. If you can be really active and participate in all sorts of activities and clubs across the community, you are seen as respectable. If you are able to make friends and influence people, you are seen as respectable. If you're able to sculpt, have the time and the privilege to sculpt your body into this uh, immaculate specimen of a human with the muscles in all the right places, with all your parts in just the right places, then that person is respectable. We give people respect and we give them honor based on how they look and how they operate in the world and how well they are off. God does not look at these things. God does not look into the outward. He does not look at the outward, but instead God looks at the inside. And he actually says this right in 1 Samuel, when uh, he calls David to be the king. David was this young boy who was a shepherd. He was sunburned and he was out tending the sheep. And God said, this is the man. This is the man who I'm calling to lead the Israelites. David was not somebody when he was a child, when he was a kid, when he was called to be king. He was not somebody that was respectable in the way that we might think. Because God does not look on the outside, but he looks on the inside. God will use those who, he, who seem to us to be the most troublesome, the most humble, the most useless to proclaim the gospel and to build his kingdom. So neighboring well, being a neighbor is engaging with people in the margins because that's God's favorite place to work. So most of us in our lives, we spend our lives trying to avoid as much as we can the kinds of neighborhoods and families that are problematic in our community. We attend churches that are full of people who are respectable, who kind of fit into the middle to upper middle class white framework that we have. And we engage with those people thinking that that's a safe place to be. And that's where people are most Christian. But again, God, it will have none of this. It is in those people, places, and cultures that we do not see as respectable, that we do not see honor and glory. That's where he wants to work. He wants to work with the people who are not native to our land. And he's going to use those people to build his kingdom. When we only engage with people that look like us or sound like us or who are respectable, what we're doing is creating country clubs and we are not building his kingdom. We are creating country clubs where we can go and participate, pay our dues and feel comfortable in the space, but we are not building his kingdom. We are not participating in the places and the people that God likes to use, that God likes to build his kingdom with. God's favorite place to work is with is with and in those who we would not deem as respectable, with those who we would not deem as honorable. That's where he likes to work. Some of the greatest stories and uh, some of the greatest movements of healthiness and wholeness do not occur in middle to upper middle class white culture, but they occur with those who are uh, who have been sexually abused, those who are addicted to drugs, those who are part of gang life, and those kinds of things. That's where we find the greatest stories of healing and hope and transformation. And there's a couple of great places that we can see this happening. There is this work out of LA County in uh, California called Homeboy Ministries, uh, started by a Catholic priest. And what they do is that they have this huge organization that uh, they serve uh, gang members who want to get out of the gang life. So they provide tattoo removals, they can remove gang tattoos. They provide opportunities to work in all these different, um, uh, subsidiaries that they have. So they have coffee shops and bakeries and all those kinds of things that people can get out of the gang life, come to this safe place. Um, and they can find work and they can find hope and they can find healing. They're provided therapy sessions and they are provided, um, substance abuse counseling and those kinds of things where they can find hope and healing in this hard place to live in this difficult place to live. This is an example of a group of people who decided that they were going to go to the farthest margins of society, the place that is most dangerous and least respectable and begin to do the work of hope and healing there, the work of the kingdom. And to hear some of these ex gang members talk about their lives as they come out of gangs and the hope that they have in Jesus Christ, because of this group of Christians who serves and loves them. It's truly incredible. And it transforms us as well, because we are all sinners. We are all lowlifes. We are all scum of the earth. We just don't like to admit it. We don't like to say that we are. We don't like to say that we're broken people, but we are all broken. And in the margins, we find broken people who find healing. And that gives us healing as well. Neighboring well is engaging with people in the margins because that's God's favorite place to work. But neighboring well, doesn't only include going to people in the margins. It also includes all the types of hospitality that we show everyone around us. So hospitality is super important to the Christian life. Some people aren't as gifted in it. Some people aren't as good as at hosting. Um, But when we talk about hospitality, I'm not specifically talking about inviting people into your home for meals. Certainly that's part of hospitality and it's a big part of hospitality, but that's not the only way that we can be hospitable. We can show hospitality to others by welcoming them into our lives through conversation and through friendship. So really a lot of friendship is hospitality, even if we're not inviting people into our homes, because we're inviting them into our lives. We're giving up our time. We're giving up our energy and we're serving and helping other people. That's a form of hospitality. Welcoming all people, no matter if they look like us or sound like us or talk like us, whatever it is, we are inviting all people into our lives to participate in our lives and we participate in their lives. That's an act of hospitality. And especially this is really important for those who are very, very different or those that we would deem as a nuisance or as dangerous because it's easy for us to be hospitable to people who are, who aren't going to intrude in our lives. Other people who are from this white middle-class background who have this sense of, well, we don't want to impose too much on you. So we'll come over for dinner or we'll meet you at this coffee shop or we'll have dinner together and then we'll just exit quickly. The time commitment is very little, but if you've dealt with people who are lower income, if you dealt with people who are outside of that culture, then the the white middle-class culture, then, you know, that oftentimes they take up a lot more time because they don't have those same cultural values. Where they, they're not thinking in the terms of, well, I don't want to impose. And I want to give people these, these people privacy. That's a very white American middle-class culture. And so oftentimes when we reach out to those who are in the margins, when we are hospitable to those who are in the margins, when we welcome them into our lives, oftentimes it takes up a lot of our time and it's hard to sacrifice our time for them. But necessary to hospitality is giving up our time, is using our time to love and to serve and to interact with others. A huge part of hospitality is sacrificing our time and our comfort and our schedules so that we can welcome people into our lives. So we can offer them a safe place to grow and to change and to be transformed. Now, an easy way to do this is to actually invite people into your home. Then your home can be a tool for the kingdom. This doesn't mean that your home has to be perfect and immaculate every time. In fact, again, in our white middle-class American culture, that's oftentimes what we think. We think that it requires our house to be perfectly clean and we have to make these great meals with uh, all this great China, these dishes or whatever it is, but that's not the case. Hospitality is inviting people into your life as it is. So if things are a little messy, that's okay. If your house is a little bit messy, that's okay. If you don't have the greatest meal that you've ever prepared, that's okay. Because hospitality can happen in a messy house over Casey's pizza. Hospitality can happen even in these places that don't seem perfect. And again, don't seem respectable, but this is how God likes to work. He likes to invert the things that we think are important. He likes to invert the things that we think are respectable. So when we are willing to be vulnerable and to open up our homes, even if we don't think it's going to reflect well on us as people, that's, how, that's what God is going to use to build his kingdom. He's going to build his kingdom through the scum of the earth. He's going to build his kingdom through the low lives. He's going to build his kingdom through the outcasts. And if we get a little scummy, if we get a little low life, if we get a little outcast, that's okay. Because we know that that's what God likes. That's where God likes to work. We know that that's where God likes to engage and build his kingdom is right there. in all of that messiness is right there. in all those things that aren't clean and respectable. So neighboring is taking our vocation, taking this horizontal life uh, that we experience in our family and church and work in and neighborhood. And, and specifically interacting with those who are in need and those who are in the margins and welcoming them into our life being hospitable to those who are inhospitable, being hospitable to those that may uh, make the way that people think about us a little bit less. Hospitality neighboring go hand in hand. And it all has to do with reaching out and caring for the margins, caring for the outcast, welcoming the outcast and the scum of the earth into your life. This is where God likes to work. Jesus did this. And if we walk in the way of Jesus, then he's going to walk us right into these places that aren't respectable. He's going to walk us right into these margins, right to the outcasts, right to the low lowlifes, right to the scum of the earth. That's where Jesus will lead us when we are walking in his way. So my prayer for you is that you don't, um, you don't neglect this, that you don't look away from this, that you don't misread these passages where that's something you think that that's something for Jesus. That's something for us if we're part of the kingdom, if we're inhabiting Jesus, if we're inhabiting God's promises, then it'll lead us right to the margins of society. It'll lead us right to the outcasts. This is neighboring. This is a habit that we have as disciples. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll see you next week.